1: Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson. Uh, my co-host today is Rotowire's Kevin Payne. You can read, of course, his uh, free agent article every week, his FanDuel article every week. He does not just football; he does baseball. I think he he does some hoops for us. Uh, and as always, before I introduce Kevin uh, or bring him on, uh, this podcast is sponsored by our good friends at Yahoo Fantasy Sports. So Yahoo, thank you for that. Kevin, thanks for jumping on with us today. Uh, it's becoming Buffalo every week here on Rotowire.
2: <laughs> I know our uh, good friend Mike Shope was on last week. He's a really good guy. Becoming a, a really good fantasy player as well. I do a hometown league with him, and it's interesting because it was a dynasty league we drafted last year. I went in and I drafted basically guys who were 24 and under. My team's doing pretty well, despite the fact that like Juju isn't having the greatest season. Devontae Adams is banged up. Uh, but yeah, no, but it, it, there's a lot of fantasy guys who love fantasy football. When I first got into this, I was part of a league that's now 30 years old for fantasy baseball. That's how I got into it maybe 20 ish years ago. So Buffalo is a, a good bed of fantasy, uh, production. I'd like to think.
1: Yeah. And we were definitely overrepresented, uh, between you, uh, and Tim Schuler uh, we've had Mark Stopa write for us uh, before. We have a lot of Buffalo-related interests there, so uh, a lot of good stuff there. Uh, and a quick shout out to Mark. He's he's got a book out that you guys should check out. Follow him on Twitter, and you can uh, check out that book. But uh, let's talk about uh, a lot of stuff going on for Week Nine. Uh, a lot, a lot of uh, injuries are popping up today. We're getting answers too. Uh, we're getting a lot of uh, also like some some good clarification too. But start off. Uh, I wonder what I'm going to do this week with OJ Howard. Not practicing again today. Is he a flat-out cut for you yet, Kevin? Uh, I, I I'm stubborn. I'm holding on to the guy, even though I, I have no faith in Tampa. But yet, I just see like that one big week happening. I don't know. Am I crazy?
2: Um, I don't think so. I just and I was trying to go back and think. So when Bruce Arians was with Arizona, did he ever have like? Wasn't it like Ricky Seals Jones? Did he ever have? like a really good tight end there or a guy that stood out for fantasy purposes. I really can't think of one. So I'm a little bit nervous about Howard. I drafted him in the NFFC, by the way, I of course am in the league with the guy who's number one overall in the NFFC. He's got like 1,434 points. I think I'm 864 overall or something like that. Uh, But why'd you let him get all those guys. guys? I, I shouldn't have. Um, I went to, I did do some stuff that I, I had planned on doing. I got the Sean Watson and paired him up uh, uh, and paired him up um, uh, with his receiver. And uh, I went ahead and I did get some good guys there. As far as um, Aaron Jones has worked out great for me. I got Adrian Peterson and Darius Geis. I kind of handcuffed those guys together, but I have, my point is I have OJ Howard in that league. And I still have him on my bench because the benches are so deep. I'm not going to drop him. I also have TJ Hawkinson and I've been rolling with him each week. Now that he's healthy, I'm going to go that route. So I think when you have a deep bench, I'm not going to drop him. But this injury kind of just seems to be pouring the salt into the wound. So not only do you have to worry about his lack of production when he's actually healthy, you have to worry that is he going to be actually healthy. So uh, for right now, if I'm in a short bench league, you know, five, six bench spots, He's a cut easily for me. I think there's going to be better options out there knowing that the tight end position is extremely, extremely thin this season.
1: It has, it has a couple of guys have emerged. Like I like John U. Smith, uh, I, I don't know if Delaney Walker is going to be able to play. And of course that's a big, uh, factor is in terms of determining Smith's value. But you know, I like his athleticism. I like what, uh, Tannehill seems to have a good connection with him, um, He's one guy that's emerged, but you're right. It's been very difficult. If you didn't hit on one of the elite guys or you didn't hit on Hooper or Darren Waller, it's been really tough this year.
2: Yeah. Hooper, Darren Waller. I'd even throw Evan Ingram in there. He's been pretty good. Um, Red Allison goes ahead and again, the Cardinals win that great matchup. He's the guy that ends up getting the touchdown and Ingram doesn't do anything a couple of weeks ago. But, uh, you know, I, I also like Cameron Brake this week. I was just taking a look at some of the numbers and believe it or not, The Seattle defense has allowed the fourth most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. So should O.J. Howard be out again this week, I wouldn't mind going back to the Cameron uh, Braitwell uh, as well. And he's a guy that might be out there on your waiver wire and uh, has good opportunity. I think that uh, Tampa Bay is going to have to throw to put up some points against the Seahawks. And this is not the same Seahawks defense that we've seen in the past. Obviously, Earl Thomas went ahead and went to Baltimore. I think there's, uh, there's definitely the ability to, to put up points. We even saw Cincinnati Uh, Weeks ago, give them a good game in Seattle. So Cameron Brain would be another guy that I would keep an eye on for this week.
1: You know, I'm in a uh, two tight end league, and I actually picked up Rate last week when uh, Howard was declared out. And you know, you're right; Uh, he he is very interesting. I was disappointed what his output last week. I was really frustrated, Uh, but you know, and that's the thing is, you have to deal with the Jameis factor with that. It really, it's really funny because he'll put up these huge fantasy games. But then he always does all these boneheaded things in the, in the midst of doing that, too, gets you frustrated. And I think some of Howard's issues are not just Bruce Arians, but also Jameis' space, too.
2: Yeah, it's a pretty narrow receiving tree there in Tampa Bay. I mean, it's Godwin and Mike Evans, and that kind of been the story. Uh, a couple of weeks they've both gone off, but it seems like either one of those guys or the other is going to go off each and every week. And it almost seems like because Evans had the big week last week, maybe <laughs> you go ahead and play Chris Godwin this week, just thinking that it's going to be his turn to get the targets and get into the end zone. But for uh GPPs in any type of daily format, I can see each and every week going ahead and taking a stack of Jameis Godwin and Mike Evans, just based upon the fact that the running game really hasn't gotten open. Uh, it really opened up. I really thought that, uh, We might have seen Jones go ahead and take that role. I think he's a little bit more talented than Peyton Barber. But both these guys, I mean, they're just sub four yards, a carry type of guy, uh, run of the mill kind of guys that should be backup and not really a starter for a team. Yet they're still splitting carries each and every week. So as I said, I'd like each and every week for GPPs going to have playing James with those two wide receivers, because I think on any given week, those guys can go off.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, I agree. They can't seem to quit Peyton Barber. That that, that frustrates the heck out of me too. Uh, two, three weeks ago in the London game against Carolina, Jones had a couple of really nice runs, including the touchdown. And I don't think we heard from him the rest of the game. Uh, last week, the big fourth and one and a half, they run up the middle with Peyton Barber, even, uh, you know, in, in, even the coach afterwards, like Bruce Arians afterward was like, yeah, I wish I would have vetoed that one, you know, cause he, you know, it's enough was made of big deal out of him, like ceding play calling duties over to Byron Leftwich, and, you know, uh, you know, that whole, I'm going to empower my assistants thing. Uh, well, he, 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 he Now he's kind of blaming them a little bit, too. You can't have it both ways. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. They can't quite get over that. And you're, you're right. They have He had, didn't have great tight ends in Arizona. I, but my argument all along was he didn't have O.J. Howard in Arizona. But I guess that just doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, and I would have put money before the deadline that somehow I thought the Patriots would work out a deal because that seems like such a natural fit. Yeah. We really don't have a solid path-catching tight end, and we know the need for receivers up there. Antonio Brown didn't work out. Josh Gordon didn't work out. And this is a team, and I heard you and Jeff, or uh, you and uh, Liz talking about this today, that I, I, I still don't believe it. I don't think that the Patriots really have played anybody. When they came up here and played against Buffalo, that was probably the toughest team they've played. And yeah. I'm not just saying that because I'm a Bills fan. I think that's a pretty fair assessment they had four turnovers from Josh Allen and still the bills were in the game in the fourth quarter, which is absolutely crazy to me. In years past, this would have been a 42-0 blowout if that had happened. So I'm curious to see what happens. I actually made the Ravens for staff picks. I made them my best bet. If I get the opportunity between now and Sunday and travel partway across the state to Del Lago Casino, I might put a little bit of money down on the Ravens, both on the money line and then a little bit more with them getting the points, because I'm curious to see what happens, especially coming off the bye and against the Harbaugh coach, who I will actually put money on. I will not put on any money on that guy who coaches in Michigan. I will put money on John, though. Um, and So I'm really curious to see how that game plays out this week. It's really
1: funny who's turned out to be the more respected Harbaugh at this point, right?
2: Exactly, and that's totally my point. Um, a couple of weeks ago, and I know you watch a lot of Big Ten football against Penn State. They were around midfield, fourth and one. Oh. I'm like, you're the underdog. You've got to go for it here. He punts, and then they never saw the lead, I don't believe, the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah. And, well,
1: there, there was that hideous drop late in that game, too. And I feel horrible for the kid because it's a college kid. You know, he's going he's to get all the mean tweets and all that. But And you could see him even crying on the sidelines after that. It, it was just Awful all around, but uh,
2: yeah, just, just 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 make sure you don't pay those college kids. Don't pay them.
1: Oh yeah, and yeah, don't even get me started. Don't even <laughs> get me started on that one there, because that that's a whole podcast right there. Uh, yeah. Especially with this 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 whole in NCH trying you know get credit for saying, oh well, let's start exploring it. No, the thing is they they it was a total word salad. It was totally empty. Uh, but anyways. We're going to move on from that because that I, I could really rant for a while. You mentioned the trade deadline and the lack of trade with O.J. Howard. Tyler Eifert didn't get dealt. Nobody got dealt yesterday. I mean, all the trades happened before yesterday, but the trade deadline day itself, horrible, terrible, nothing. Uh, one of those guys, all of a sudden, like four hours before the trade deadline, oh, you know, the Jets are talking trading uh, Jamal Adams. They're talking trading Lev Bell. You know, all they did was poison the well there. They didn't do any trades. They just got people bitter at them. Although, at least, to Bell's credit, he didn't seem bitter. But Jamal Adams is really salty today and even yesterday a little bit. Uh, after, you know, I saw a note from today. Adam Gaze blamed himself for Bell only getting 12 touches against the Jaguars. Well, good. That's a good start. You are the play caller. So, yes, you are to blame for that. Uh, matchup this week, though, against the Dolphins. I really like Lev Bell a lot this week.
2: Yeah, he should definitely go ahead and have a good game. Robbie Anderson as well, and um, I mean, if you go back and watch the game tape from last week and against the Patriots, I mean, the offensive line really isn't doing them any favors. Now, that being said, Davian Howard gets put on IR, and that is the best defensive player that the Miami Dolphins have. He's the type of guy that you might go ahead and cheat the linebackers and even the safety up a little bit because he's very good in one-on-one coverage, but now you're not even going to have him. So this should be a good spot for Le'Veon Bell to get it going. If there's going to be any time, and he's looked great when he does get the ball and he gets the ball in open space, he's been shifty. He's been the same back we saw with the Pittsburgh Steelers for all those years. So if you've got him, you got to feel pretty confident about him this week. Um, if he can't get it going against the Miami Dolphins, who is he going to get it going against? That's a good
1: point. That's a really good point. Uh, so uh, I I I do like him a lot. I've got him I think at ten in my rankings, maybe eleven. I might even move him up higher uh, as the week goes on, but I do like him quite a bit. Uh, A couple more other news items. Miles Sanders, big game against your Bills uh, last week, or at least one big, huge run, but later uh, hurt his shoulder. He is not practicing today. Uh, Eagles, they said there's no structural damage there, but they don't know. know, Other than that, I mean, the practice kind of tells the story. Now, granted, it's just Wednesday practice. If If he's practicing Friday, then I'll be perfectly fine with him. Uh, he's a tough guy to count on. When do you uh, go with him? When do you not? Uh, What are your thoughts on Miles Sanders?
2: Um, My thoughts are, why aren't they using him more? Yeah. Uh, He's, you know, at the beginning of the season, the first four games, I'm looking at the game logs right now, at least 10 carries in each of the first four games. Hasn't hit 10 carries in the last four games yet. You know, the numbers are there for him. He's averaging four and a half yards a carry, which is a very good number in the NFL these days. He can catch passes out of the backfield. Uh, and we were just talking about Penn State. I mean, this kid looked great when he was there, and Penn State kind of has become a little bit of running back university. I mean, they've really put out some really good uh, players from that position and, and wide receiver as well, looking at all the guys, Deshaun Hamilton, Chris Godwin, a lot of the guys that are you know, doing well in the NFL now. So I don't know why they're not giving him more uh, touches. I know Jordan Howard has all these touchdowns and he gets the ball inside the goal line and he's a talented back as well. But I would really think at this point, it would be more of a 50 50 timeshare. Somebody asked me this week, you know, what do you think of Sanders? And I'm like, yeah, I said the exact same thing. Let's see if he practices Friday, but the fact that he only gets six touches, even, I mean, not, he's not even hitting 10 touches a game makes me a little bit worried about his production going forward because it's pretty much unsustainable that he's going to rip off these long runs, whether it be uh, handing the ball off or going ahead and catching the ball through the air. It's pretty much unsustainable to go ahead and put out this much yards. He really is going to have to have the touches going forward. We talked a little bit earlier about the Tampa Bay running back situation. Sometimes with these guys, I wonder, you know, does it take them 15 touches to get into some type of rhythm and get them going rather than play three or four plays and then run off the field and the other guy comes on? So uh, Sanders, he's going to have to number one, show he's healthy and number two, get more touches in this offense, which maybe he did earn against the Buffalo Bills on Sunday.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that's right. Uh, The other problem too, is facing the bears this week. I don't love that matchup either.
2: Yeah, the bears aren't, I don't know that they're quite, I mean, I'm pretty sure they were consensus top three overall defense heading into the season and they have not played like that the last few weeks but they're still not a plus matchup. They're not a team that you would look at the schedule and you feel great about having your fantasy guys go up against them.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Uh, a couple other injury notes. Uh, Adam Thielen return, returning to practice today. That implies to me that he's going to play. They had the extra time to, for him to recover with the Thursday game last week. Uh, like the matchup, obviously, against Casey. like it even better for Dallin Cook, mind you, but uh, should bounce back this week.
2: Yes, and uh, remember, they had the short week last week, so it made sense. He left the game, was banged up. No reason to bring him back. I think that this is one of the more dark horses of the uh, NFL that could go ahead and win the championship. I think they've got a very good offense. They're running the ball effectively this year. Uh, Gosh, what's Delvin Cook averaging? He's like averaging well over five yards a carry. Uh, they've got the passing game. Kirk Cousins has looked much better. Yeah, 5.3 yards to carry so far this season for Dalvin Cook. So you've got another team that's got a pretty narrow receiving tree. Stephon Diggs is kind of after a slow start come on. You've got Thielen. Those are basically the main two guys. But they're just going to hand the ball off to Delvin Cook. And why not for all this success that he's been having? Defense isn't as bad as well. And this is, as you said, a great matchup. I would think that you probably got Cook ranked in the top three amongst running backs. this uh, Yep, have him at two. Yep. Yeah, considering McCaffrey's one. Yes. Yeah, so I, I would. that's exactly where I was thinking of him. And I think for DFS purposes, I was starting to take a look. Shannon uh, McKellen went ahead and uh, emailed us the contest that we do as a site on FanDuel. I think this is actually the week that you go ahead and pay up for running back. I have no problem using Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey uh, back-to-back and hope that because McCaffrey didn't have one of his monster games last week that his ownership might be down. But um, I I think that the Minnesota Vikings overall are one of the dark horses that we should keep an eye on who can make a serious run at the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Uh, If you Listen, I talk about this all the time. We do the X number of player, uh, teams versus the field bet, you know, winning the Super Bowl. Uh, how many teams would you need to take before you're comfortable beating the field? You know, enough that someone would make a bet. And what, what would those teams be? Would it four? Or do you need a, five, a fifth team? Uh, how many teams do you need and who would they be?
2: Good question. So let me, and I don't think you'll mind me saying this (laughs) because I'm the one that's going to look like the idiot here, but I did this last uh, year with Scott Dianowski, and it was towards the end of the year, so we had a better idea of what the seedings were going to be and whatnot. And I gave Scott three teams, and I got the field, and my field included the Patriots. But towards the end of the season, just given the way that everything was going, like you wouldn't have thought the Patriots were even in the top five teams, and of course they go ahead and prove us wrong. And yeah. I ended up. He gave me a buyout, which I ended up taking, and then the Patriots won the Super Bowl, so I would have won the bet taking the field. Oh no! So, anyways, now that we've got that out of the way, I would say right now, I would probably go with. Gosh, I would need five teams. I think. Okay. I think I would need five. I would obviously you're going to go with the Patriots. The San Francisco 49ers, the Saints, I would go back to the Chiefs at number four. And then I would probably roll the dice with, uh, gosh. Here's the tough one here. It's either the Ravens or the Cowboys. Just because. Over the Packers and Vikings? Oh, no, 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 no. Shoot, now I'm looking at that division. So, yeah, no, and that's that's the tough and That's why I say five instead of four. Sure. It definitely need to be five. I think four or five weeks from now, it would be easily down to four because we'll have a much better idea who's going to get the first and second seed. See, I think the NFC is going to be five. tough
1: all season long to handicap that way. I think there's like legit six or seven or maybe even eight teams that could, I mean, that are, are legit strong in the NFC. I mean, you, you may name three or four of them there. Uh, I mean, obviously the Niners are there. Uh, but Vikings, Packers, Cowboys, uh, yeah, I mean, it's easy to name a handful of teams there. And I'm, you know, in saints, you already mentioned saints are legit. Yeah. You know, I, I, I bombed staff picks. I don't get to pick the saints this week as my best bet. I have to go, go elsewhere finally. But, uh, you know, Hey, um, their, their defense is so good. And that, I think it gets overlooked every single week.
2: Yeah, and uh, Lattimore has played lights out. I thought he started a little bit slow, yeah. but at corner, he is one of the better corners in the league. Um, I would put him right up there with Stephon Gilmore, and people don't talk about Tredavious White up here in Buffalo, but he has been unbelievable. Um, they put him out there on an island, and every single game he comes up with, seemingly comes up with big plays, and they are not throwing at him anymore. Um, and speaking of Stefan Gilmore, I do have a little bit of a theory about, uh, the Patriots that I just want to talk about for two seconds. Okay. I, I when I was in high school, I played, uh, basketball and we played kind of like Rick Pitino's Kentucky Wildcats and it was run and gun, press the whole game. And we were told basically to push the limits as far as following the other team. I think that is exactly what we see with the new England Patriots. I think they hold enough that it becomes almost desensitized the rest so they see it happen and they know they can't call a foul on every play and i think they get away with some, a lot and i think that mario's kind of hit on this He's kind of inferred this through some of his tweets and i totally agree i think that the patriots by you know hold almost every play they're not going to stop the game every play and yes the fouls that they're calling is completely out of control but i think that the patriots have been so smart on defense as far as going ahead and holding and doing those little tricks that you've got to do. And that's why they've been so successful this year. Now, it's definitely in their skill set. They're creating a lot of turnovers. Don't get me wrong. I just tweeted this out that on FanDuel, they've scored at least 10 fantasy points in every game. They're averaging over 20 fantasy points every game. And it's not just sacks. It's not just interceptions. It's not the fumbles. It's a combination of all of them, including special teams. So uh, kudos to the Patriots. But I think that that's kind of my theory about why that defense and special teams has been so good this season.
1: I think there's some credence to that theory. I think they are elite, and I do think they get away with a lot. I agree. And the the Browns game, I mean, there were two plays there in the fourth quarter that were really pretty awful. All right. The NFL season is in full swing at Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo Cup is free to enter. And a perfect lineup will win you a million dollars every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18 and a United States citizen, there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo Daily Fantasy has new new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away with the, from a game with a little cash. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy today. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. Kevin, this is your first year on Staff Picks. How's that going for you?
2: <laughs> Overall, not so good. Um, I do have a losing record. I'm below 500. I willingly admit that. But I, it, it's educational each and every week because I go back and I try to take a look at what I did wrong. I like Chris's theory, and I know you've got a system, too, of what you do every week of taking a look, trying to guess the line, seeing what the actual line is. Um, you know, Growing up, my dad always told me, always take home underdogs playing on a different turf. Uh, which I always thought was kind of interesting. And now they're all playing on the same type of turf, so it really doesn't matter. But right. I do like the home dogs, uh, generally speaking. Last week they really didn't come through, especially the double-digit ones. I think the only one that covered was the Miami Dolphins, and they only did that by, if you got them at 13-and-a-half on Monday night. So uh, it's, it's been tough, and I challenge anybody to go out there and keep track and pick every single game week to week. Now, as far as best bets, I'm five and three, and I get to choose whichever game that's going to be. So I think that's a little bit easier, uh, obviously, because I can pick any team that I want. So it's been tough just going week to week. I feel like I start to get a feel for teams, and then it totally goes backwards. For example, a couple of weeks ago, Denver's at home against Tennessee. I took them as my best bet. Um, and they go ahead and shut them out. And I'm like, man, Vic Fangio, he's a, he's a defensive guy. I think this defense hasn't played up to their, as good as their potential, especially the first three games. They didn't have a sack. They didn't have turnovers, whatever it was. I'm like, this is going to some correction coming here. Um, but then they go ahead and they put together two games and then they lose. And now you've got all this debacle, Joe Flacco, and who knows what's going on with his neck. And um, you know, he's obviously not going to be playing for them anytime soon. It seems like. So, I don't know. I feel like I start to get a feel for a team and then the NFL is just such a fluid league. And I know that gets overstated and everybody says that, but it's the truth that you have to go ahead and be ready to adjust week to week based upon injuries, based upon who a team's playing their matchups, what plays to their strengths and their weaknesses. So you just got to be ready and, and try to adjust the best you can when you're going ahead and picking these games against the spread.
1: Yeah, uh, and honestly, I didn't really use this system too much until this year. Right? And maybe we did a little bit of this last year. Um, in some cases, I, 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 and I haven't had a system, and I've done fine. Other, you know, In other years, maybe uh, I've needed that system a little bit more, I guess. But that just illustrates how difficult it is to pick against a spread. Don't do this for a living, people. It's hard. It's really hard.
2: It is. It is. And um, I always tell that to people. Um, we went a few weeks ago. Um, we rented a lake house on Canandaigua Lake and the Finger Lakes. Was absolutely beautiful. And it rained one day. So all the dads and I, we went up to the Lago Casino. We put in a bunch of bets. And it is tough. And these guys are there. They're just the average shows. And every single one of them, I don't think one of them, including myself that week, uh, won any money. We all lost at it. And it is is—it's just very tough to do, especially being forced to pick them. And a lot of times I'll go, and if I'm going to wager on games, I will do it just to have some skin in the action. So I'll take the Sunday night game. I'll take the Monday night game just for the heck of it. So I have a rooting interest when I'm watching them, although I usually have fantasy guys going. So that's in play as well. But it's really, really tough, especially when you have to go ahead and pick all the games. Yeah. And now
1: it's becoming more accessible to a lot of people like yourself. I mean, you're in New York state, so uh, that's one of the states where you can do that now. Uh, without having to go to Vegas or ha- without having to go to Jersey, uh, you know, Jersey being one of the first to adapt outside of Vegas, or outside of Nevada, I should say, um, you know, it, it's I, I know that you, you alluded to it that you, it's a drive for you now. How far is away from your uh, latest uh, or for the nearest brick and mortar place to, to go bet? Yeah.
2: Okay, so it's an hour and a half away. It's run by the state, but interestingly enough, um, the other two casinos in my area that are actually closer. They're both 30 minutes away. There's one in downtown Buffalo called Buffalo Creek. It's run by the Seneca Indians, um, Native Americans. I am want to make sure I use the right term. And then there's one uh, uh, up in Niagara Falls on the American side. And right now they're undergoing, quote-unquote, construction in both of those lobbies. And basically I talked to – I've got a couple of friends who are uh, pit bosses there. They're just waiting for the state to give them the approval, and the, the sports books should be open within the next six months if not – sometime sooner. I mean, it might be one of those things where I literally turn on the news tomorrow and I right. find out they're open for business. So it's going to be accessible to everybody sometime soon. And if I really was desperate, I could probably get to gambling even quicker because if I go to Pennsylvania, which I'm about pretty close, a little over an hour from the border. If I go down there, you can actually do draft kings online. I believe it's either FanDuel or DraftKings. You can actually do online via your phone. Once you cross the border into Pennsylvania.
1: Okay okay so yeah and that's the thing is like some states allow online and some don't and it's 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 one of the challenges that we're dealing with as a company because obviously while we're not explicitly you know all about gaming you know there's the venn diagram has a significant overlap plus you know we've launched cover wire we have a lot of you know we do beat the book we do staff pick so obviously we're interested in it but it's not our primary thing that we do but you know trying to match every state and knowing who are the good operators and the bad operators and all that, that can be pretty tricky. So, uh, you know, in, in the fantasy space, we're pretty good about that, obviously. haven't been do- doing it forever, but this is a little bit different.
2: Yeah, and I think eventually it will all get legalized. I mean, it, it kind of, there's a similar, I think, um, a, a similar issue with marijuana. I think sooner or later, everybody's just going to have everything legalized. And, uh, why wouldn't we? Um, you know, down in Denver, they have great schools, they have great parks, they have all this stuff because of all the tax they collect on marijuana. And I think that finally, especially here in New York, Governor Cuomo kind of got his eyes open to the fact that they can generate a lot of revenue via taxes and whatnot, um, by going ahead and keeping that stuff in state. And the fact of the matter is, you can regulate it. People are going to do a lot of these things. I know of house card games in the local area. I, If I really wanted to go out and get drugs, I'm sure I could find them. I don't do that, <laughs> but why not go ahead? I usually don't do that. You protest no, too much, I, uh, sir. Sir. I, uh, usually, um, but, um, yeah, no, that stuff's out there, and people are going to do it. Why not go out and regulate it and, then, and let the state go out and collect some taxes off it? Uh, whether it's gambling, whether it's drug, marijuana, whatever, um, but that's you know something. I as you said, I think we'll see that all get legalized in the near future.
1: Yeah, I think so too. It's just and online is you know like in New Jersey, like the online handle is so huge. Like if you you know it's such a huge advantage to be able to do that. You think that uh, states would realize the opportunity to make more make more money doing that? But uh, maybe it's harder to uh, regulate. It, so we'll see. Uh, before we move on, a, a quick note: uh, already knocked out of your survivor pool. Did you end up losing early in the season, feeling like your success is mostly based on luck? Wish there were some alternative where you could use your actual fantasy sports knowledge as opposed to relying on whether a team wins or loses. Well, now there is world fantasy pools brings you the first of its kind game type stat based survivor pools. World fantasy pools takes the traditional concept of survivor pools that players are familiar with and adds a more exciting twist. Instead of choosing a team to win a game, You will use your fantasy knowledge to choose an athlete to achieve a designated stat line. Achieve the stat line and you advance. Fail to and you will be eliminated. Be the last to survive or make it through all rounds to win or split the prize pool. Just choose one athlete each round to achieve a designated stat line to advance and win. It's that simple. Sign up and play today at www.worldfantasypools.com. I'm Jeff Erickson. I'm here with Kevin Payne from Rotoar. Kevin does a number of things for us, including the weekly free agent article that runs on the site early on Tuesdays. Uh, And Kevin, this week you began with a a unique opener.
2: I did. Um, (laughs) I wrote a very heartfelt apology after blowing up Ty Johnson last week and seeing Trey Carson going ahead and getting the most touches in the Detroit backfield. Uh, So one of the reasons I did this is I feel like in the fantasy community, we're not held accountable enough. And I feel like part of my job is to get things right, to connect the dots and say, um, you know, a plus B equals C and here's C. And this is why I figured it out the way I did. Sure. And with Ty Johnson, I I just, I'm still kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, flabbergasted, that they didn't use him more. Um, so carry on Johnson goes down two games ago, and it's Ty Johnson that goes out and gets most of the work. Averaged uh seven point six yards a carry or something like that while he was at Maryland. At his pro day ran a four two six forty. Now I know that they these pro days, the clock can be a little bit quicker sure. than if he was running at a combine. But man, four two six for a running back is lightning fast. This isn't a five foot 180-pound wide receiver. This is a running back. So I thought that, um, you know, I just felt really bad. I told people to blow their fat budget on it. I already actually had him in a lot of leagues. He's one of those guys that I always comb through um, each and every week, about 10 o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning. I go through and take a look and say, who's the guy I want to have on my bench in case the starter in front of him gets hurt? And he's one guy that I actually had on my bench, both in the NFFC, and a league that Scott Pianowski uh, runs. So I had him basically free of charge sitting there and thought, gosh, this guy's at least a number two uh, uh, running back this week, if not my flex spot. All the leagues I do have at least one, if not more, flex spots. And I'm like, this guy's going to be golden this week. And then they go ahead and run Trey Carson. So I opened it up with an apology because I get sick and tired of the fantasy community always taking – Victory laps. I got this right. I got that right. Yeah. We always don't know full disclosure. Like I, it drives me nuts when, Oh, look how good my top three teams are doing in the NFC. Well, how many teams do you have overall DFS screenshots. And I've been a have vi- done this before. The only screenshots I ever usually pull put up are like last year I won, I think it was like 12 grand and I put up $27. If you're putting up a thousand dollars and you won 10 grand last week, that to me is not really that impressive because what's happened the weeks prior when you weren't posting screenshots. screenshot. Right. So I think that we need to be held more accountable. So I admit it. I was absolutely wrong about Ty Johnson. Um, I thought Chase Edmonds, although I did kind of say this in my article a couple of weeks ago, I was worried about the schedule because now they got San Francisco coming up twice. Last week was not very good against uh, the New Orleans Saints. We talked earlier about they've really improved as a defense and they have got one more team. That's not going to be a good, defense for them to stay. So I was like, oh, I almost did the same thing with Chase Edmonds. But um, yeah, no, I just think we should be held accountable. So I started with an apology. I think we get some really good people on our site. I know that the guys at Yahoo sometimes get absolutely scalped by the recommendation. So I appreciate the fact that most of the guys at least on the site, on Twitter that I interact with, they're appreciative of the fact that I'm honest about things, that I answer everybody's question. And it's me doing it. It's not like it's an intern. It's not my dog who's answering. It's actually me who answers any questions that I get on the site or get on Twitter. So I try to do the best I can. And I think that people also realize they have access to a lot of this information via social media, via our website via whoever and at the end of the day it's their call i think they're just looking to be pushed in one direction or the other when it comes to picking up three agents or whether it comes to making up a line up decision
1: so i'm going to defend you here for a second on the specific case of ty johnson i I agree with everything you said about accountability though i think that's really good that you're out there on that he had two runs of over 10 yards that were called back due to holding penalties both those you know put the put the lions on like second and 24 or third and 20 or something of that nature. And it means that they weren't going to run the ball after that, after he had gotten them first downs, you know, and I think that that game, it changed the game flow quite a bit, you know, it forced them to throw. And in one case they had to punt, you know, I think the game's a little bit different now seeing Trey Carson start was infuriating. Uh, but, Johnson was clearly the better back. And one of the appeals to getting Ty Johnson was you didn't just get him for this game, which was supposed to be a great matchup. You also got him for the rest of the season with carry on Johnson out. So I also wouldn't take a failure lap either. I don't think this is done. And I think you still might end up looking good on this.
2: And and that could be, um, I've still got, it wasn't like I went out and dropped him this week. And as you said, carry on Johnson, um, when I wrote it, he hadn't been put on um, IR. I don't think he went on IR until after my article was published. Cause right. then I had people coming back and saying, now would this change your opinion? I mean, you know, that basically carry on Johnson's done for the season. And um, I got asked in one of my radio shows this week, what do you do with carry on Johnson? Do you drop him?" And I said, absolutely. It's not yep. like he's going to come back week 16 and week 17 and get 20 to 25 touches right off the back. Either Once once he comes back and the fact, I think he was, he had a brace on his knee after the game. I mean, that kind of said, when you've got that Don joy brace on that all lineman where just as a, a precaution, you know, something's probably not very good with the running back. So uh, I'm curious to see what happens going forward. It's not a bad matchup this week against the Raiders and maybe they go ahead and do give him more touches. But again, we were looking for that guy and mm-hmm. always comes out every single season. We find players over those last four to six games. Who will help you out? Jerome Harrison from the Cleveland Browns, the one went absolutely nuts. Jamal Charles, the second half of his rookie year, went absolutely nuts. Those guys are Arian Foster
1: one leagues and then you know became arian foster he was nothing before that i mean he was something obviously but in fantasy world he was nothing uh before that and it's like it happens every year tim hightower won fantasy leagues for people it happens so yeah absolutely stay on top of things there uh so i thought that was good that you started off that way and i love that you know you get you know see the thing is people are like when's the volume meter come out when's it coming out like go check out Kevin's article. It's, it's it's freaking Tuesday people. I am a start sit article guy. I'm not the free, you know, free agency guy and you answer everybody's questions. That's one thing you're really good at doing. You're on top of that.
2: Yeah, and I've I've I think I've gathered a nice following over the years and again. It's and I wonder sometimes too. I usually don't try to bug anybody, but I have the same questions for my fantasy teams. I take a look and go gosh, I've got choice A, I've got choice B. And you know, the difference between the two, I'm like 55, 45. So sometimes I just want to hear somebody, somebody might have a different opinion. Sometimes I'll try to point out why I don't like a guy or why I do like a guy. Somebody asked me today on the the column, they said, do you like uh, Christian Kirk or Terry McLaurin for the rest of the season? And I said, I'll be honest. I think McLaurin's the more talented of the two guys. Um, but if I'm taking a look at the quarterback situation for the rest of the season, I like Christian Kirk and where he's at, because if Dwayne Haskins takes over, he hasn't looked too good so far. Um, and as I said, I like Terry McLaurin. He's probably going to be the number one wide receiver for the Redskins. Something, one of the few things that organization has done, right. He should be the number one guy for the next five to seven years, but just given the quarterback situation, I don't know it. So I try to give a reason. On top of, instead of just saying, okay, play this guy and not give a reason why, I try to justify it with some sort of logic.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And I am so scared of Callahan and what he's going to do to that offense. Uh, oh, jeez. I, I mean, five passes when they're trailing in the second half against yeah. Vikings. Now, one of those passes was a hideously overthrown ball to McLaurin that ended up being picked off. And
2: I understand why, but you got to try. You just have to try. Yeah, and it's... It, It's bad when Troy Aikman is uh, busting on you for not taking chances and going for it on fourth and short near the goal line. So when that happens, you know, something uh, might be wrong. And Callahan, he's just going to run the ball. I guess if you've got Adrian Peterson, you've got to be happy about this. And it's kind of interesting this week going up against my bills, seeing their poorest run defense over the last two weeks. But I got to think that the bills will probably make some adjustments um, and go ahead and figure out how to slow that uh, running attack down, especially knowing uh callahan's
1: tendencies exactly hey so you also do a weekly fan duel article for us and uh you know you, you mentioned though that you know first of all you know it's interesting going through that piece because the dfs industry is maturing and you know obviously we have to change along with that there and it's just not just okay i like this guy this guy and this guy and done and you have to put a lot of thought into it there and figure out what type of contest you're in and all that what what do you go through when you sit down to do that piece
2: So I'd like to take a look at the tendencies. Now note that teams are going to make adjustments throughout the year. I remember a few years ago, I think it was the Tennessee Titans were like terrible against the tight ends, And by the second half of the season, they figured out what they were doing wrong and were no longer bad. And maybe that's going to happen. This year's example would be the Arizona Cardinals. They've been horrible against tight ends. Um, Maybe they go ahead and figure that out and notice what we're knowing. So we take a look at what teams, you know, are letting up fantasy points to what positions? Because that will probably tell you a lot about defense. If the cornerbacks are good, can they stop the run? And a lot of I mean, obviously, there's a lot of correlation there between looking at, you know, um, rushing touchdowns given up. Uh, for example, I always take a look at Tampa Bay. If you're going to beat Tampa Bay, you're not going to run the ball on them. You're going to have to throw the ball on them, and they've been terrible against the pass so far this season. Very good against the run. I take a look at the over-under still. And sometimes when I go to take and put it in a lineup or a stack or a GPP, I like to target those games that don't have a big over-under because they're going to be very low-owned in those tournaments. So that's another philosophy that I try to go ahead and use. Um, But I think overall, I think it's pretty easy to take a look at guys. When I'm doing cash games, I want guys with a lot of floor. I talked about John Brown last week, you know, besides Michael Thomas, the only guy who's got at least 50 receiving yards in every game this season. Now that didn't quite work out last week, but you got a little bit of a floor there knowing he's going to get four to five catches and uh, at least 50 receiving yards, and he's not expensive. That's really the key there, is that if you can save money there and spend up at other places, then go ahead and do so. So it's pretty interesting. The best thing I like about doing my article, and I kind of mentioned this to you in in one of my emails to you, was um, Tori Schenke, Peter Schenke's wife, emailed me a few weeks ago and said, I've been using your guys and I'm up to like 80 bucks and she's just beyond thrilled because she's throwing like $7 in tournaments into these games. And I said to her, don't get brave and try to go bigger. Just stick to what you've been doing. Just play these low games. You basically have money to play for the rest of the season. Any other time you win now is going to be gravy. So that really made my day when I got an email from her saying, nice. Kevin, I appreciate your picks. They've really worked out so far for me.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Uh, We did have a question on Twitter asking who your core players are going to be for this week. I know it's early in the week. Have you uh, settled on anybody yet that you really like, especially for FanDuel games?
2: Yeah, so it's kind of lame to go with the top priced options. But as I said earlier, you said you've got Christian McCaffrey, Delvin Cook, one and two. I was able to come up with a lineup that has Russell Wilson at home against Tampa Bay. Again, if you're going to beat Tampa Bay, you're going to do it through the air. You could do Christian McCaffrey at home against Tennessee and Dalvin Cook against the Chiefs, who have not been good against the run. You can put all three of those guys in your lineup and then mix and match. I've got John Brown, I've got Mike Williams, I've got Tyrell Williams, Cameron Braith, Um Struggling with that last flex spot, but the Carolina Panthers is it's been good this year for these running backs who have gone off to pair them with their own defense. So Carolina at home against Tennessee and Ryan Tannehill. I can easily see Tannehill getting a few sacks and maybe throwing an interception or two in this one. Um, So at 4,000, that's pretty cheap on there. Uh, Considering some of the defenses, I believe go up. uh, The bills go go all the way up to 5,000. So that's not a bad price for them. As I said, it's just trying to figure out that last flex spot but we might have more clarity on that as the week goes on as guys are ruled out and we uh, see who the starters might be i think there's going to be a good opportunity to find a cheaper option as i said last week like i like ty johnson i like chase Edmonds. i also like latavius murray i think he was 6200 on fanduel paid off again in a big way So there will be that type of player I think that we can go to. And maybe it'll be Ty Johnson, for all I know. Maybe I'll go back to the well with him. There's been a couple times this season I've written about guys that they don't go off that week, and then the next week they went absolutely bonkers. I think that might have happened with me with Stephon Diggs um, when he had that huge week and was the number one wide receiver for fantasy. So we'll see what happens as the week goes on.
1: Yeah, the worst thing in the world is to get whipsawed. You, you tout him one week, he doesn't do it. You go off him, and then he goes off uh, after you're done using him. Yeah, that's that's absolutely the worst-case worst scenario there. Uh, before we move on, your fantasy winnings are going to need a game plan. Put them to work on Stash, and you'll get an extra $5 to start investing. Over 3 million Americans invest, bank, and save with Stash all on one easy-to-use app. On Stash, you can buy pieces of stocks and funds just $5 at a time. And unlike other micro-investing apps, you get to build your own portfolio. Your Stash also includes access to a smarter, simpler bank account that actually works with your investment account and can help you save and spend smarter. Want to plan for a better financial future? Stash also offers retirement accounts and investing accounts for kids. Stash can even help teach you how to save and invest confidently with simple guides, articles, challenges, and personalized guidance. Stash is a financial home for all your money needs, and they'll even give you $5 to invest if you join today. Stash, one app, unlimited opportunity. Investment advisory services offered by Stash Investments, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Debit account services provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. I am Jeff Erickson. I am talking with Kevin Payne from Rotowire. Kevin is part of the Buffalo Mafia on roto Kevin, I wanted to ask you about your bills. Uh, They kind of failed the test last week against the Eagles. They also have benefited from a pretty good schedule so far this season, having beaten my Bengals as an example. Uh, The Giants, everyone wants to beat on those lousy Giants, of course. Uh, The Dolphins, you know, the fact is they've had a pretty comfortable schedule so far. Second half, it's going to pick up a little bit, but not this week. They get a home game against the Redskins.
2: Yeah, so it's worked out pretty nicely for them. So they get the AFC North, they get the NFC East, And, um, I mean, outside of the Ravens, maybe the Cowboys, is there anybody that really scares me? No, I did think though, that was the game that they should have won against the Philadelphia Eagles. You're at home, you're facing a team that kind of had their backs up against the wall. So they did need to get that win and came through. Uh, they've got to figure out, as I said earlier, they've got to figure out how to stop the run because they looked terrible against it last game. This is still a solid defense. And one of the things that I think people who haven't watched every single minute of the Buffalo Bills like I have this season don't see is, Josh Allen has put the defense in a lot of bad situations. If this was a mediocre defense, a league average defense, the bills would not be five and two right now. They would easily be two and five because of the short fields, because they've given up a couple of special teams touchdowns. Um, but again, you know, as you said, like in, I've made this argument earlier, uh, the Patriots haven't played anybody. The bills really haven't played anybody. So the going to get a little bit tougher. They still, I believe have the Ravens. They've got to go to Cleveland. I believe that's not going to be an easy game. They still have uh, Dallas on the schedule, I believe, as well. But other than that, the fact that you go ahead and you have the Jets and the Dolphins in your own division helps out a lot. So I still think that uh, this is going to be a team that makes the playoffs. I was asked about them yesterday on a radio show and, you know, what's my prediction for them. I think 9-7. and seven is the worst-case scenario, which would be less than 500 the rest of the way. I think they're more like a 10-6 team. I think that's pretty fair to say that they'll finish like that, probably get one of the wild cards with that type of a record. So I'm still pretty optimistic about them, and I wasn't, so, I wasn't as optimistic before the season started. We'll just say that. So I do think that this is an elite defense. A lot of this is obviously just going to hinge on Josh Allen and him not uh, taking big shots so that he misses time, not getting these silly turnovers. And I also want to see if they go ahead and involve Devin Singletary a little bit more going forward. I understand the locker room presence with Frank Gore and that he's a veteran and you want to get him his touches. But The fact that Devin Singletary had one touch in the first half last week is ridiculous in my opinion. They've really got to try to get this – Kid, the ball and make it a 50 50 split. If anything, give Singletary more touches than Frank Gore. I know that's going to be tough because he's the veteran and he's a leader. But at the end of the day, right now, Devin Singletary has more upside and has shown that consistently when he's been on the field for the Bills.
1: Maybe let him touch the ball before, I don't know, the third quarter. I don't know. Um you know, I if they actually played games in the locker room, it would be one thing. But uh yeah, I you know, Frank Gore actually has been good at times too. And when when Singletary was hurt, that was huge. He came up big a couple of times. But Singletary, like you said, Singletary's a more dynamic guy. Uh I, and I can attest to the Allen factor. I mean, he can do things that really put the opposing defenses on ice. I mean, he's so hard to bring down. He's a tank. Uh, he can scramble and make these big plays. But he all I mean, you saw in the second half of that game, he can make some mind-boggling decisions, bad decisions there. And he helped bring the Bengals back into that game. When the, the Bengals should not have even been close in that game. Uh, it was 14 nothing at halftime. And it really should have been like 24 nothing. But for the Bills not being able to fully cash in, And here we are in the second half, one turnover, and oh, the Bengals are a chance to win this game.
2: And that's what scares me about this team is I worry that they're going to play down to the level of whoever they're playing each and every week. So if it's a team like the the Bengals that they should go out and put away, it was still a game late in the game. And that's my concern this week against the Redskins is they let the Redskins hang around long enough in a game where they should go ahead and, and win by two scores, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I picked the skins to cover the 10. Uh, but that's in part because, yeah, I just, yeah, you know, I think all it takes is their defense is actually okay. I mean, heck, they they kept it within, you know, to 10 against Minnesota last week in a game where I think they were, I think Min- I, we were talking Minnesota earlier. I take, you know, on a, a neutral field, I take Minnesota over Buffalo, I think. Uh, so I don't know. I and mean, granted, it's not the transitive property. It doesn't work that way. But I, I, I think I have a hard time laying big points with Buffalo right now.
2: Yeah, and I don't blame that. Not, I think for staff picks every week except for once, I've taken them. And I thought at the beginning of the season that they were a little bit underrated, especially um, I think that made them my best spot when they played against the Giants. And sure enough, uh, that worked out okay. But again, I'm starting to get to worry that this is a team that plays to the level of their opponent and then uh, going to let these teams stick around. In the second half of games,
1: exactly. And hey, we got a couple minutes left. I know you and I are both into uh, youth soccer with our kiddos. Um, you, uh, your, your kids play at a higher level than mine. I play; mine plays ASO. You, you, you actually, when your daughter's on a big time traveling club, uh, what's it like? I know you're big into the soccer scene.
2: Yeah, so and, and we were talking earlier about paying college kids. I mean I played Division three uh, soccer. My brother was a Division one swimmer. My other brother was a Division three soccer player. I don't think people realize the sacrifices that we make, that we don't have time to study that if we got a game on the road, it costs us a lot of time. So it's just absurd to me that if they want to pay division one athletes, they really should. But anyways, um, yeah, no, my daughter uh, plays for a team called the Western New York flash, which is a team that Alex Morgan basically, every good player for the United States has played for. Um, they ended up relocating. They're now the North Carolina courage and they won the women's league on Sunday. Um, so it's, it's just crazy. So she yeah. plays four or five days a week. And um, it, it's the, there are games where the parents have to be separated. We literally have to stay on one side of the field. The other team gets the other side of the field. And um it's just a higher level of competition. And I think both my uh, two youngest play, I think my daughter's got a chance to be pretty darn good. I think my son's got a little bit more to develop, but it just depends. And it's like anything in sports or life. It's just what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. But I'm thrilled. um, The coach that my daughter has right now, she coaches one of the local high school teams. She's actually got a player who's got a full ride to South Carolina who plays for the youth national team. And she's only a sophomore, and she had something like 29 goals in 12 games this season or something like that. Okay, great. So it is, it is crazy, and it's just a matter of how far you want to take it and, and what level you want to play at. But um, the one thing my daughter and I, I got to say, does really well that I've never seen uh, another player at her age do is go with her left and right foot equally. Um, a few weeks ago, the last tournament she played in, they won their first two games 5-0, 3-0. Nothing, nothing. She had four of the eight goals and all four goals were with her left foot, and she's right-footed. Just so, like you,
1: right? That's that's how you rolled back in the <laughs> yeah, day.
2: No, never, never. It was everything I would put on my right foot. My right foot was uh, my right foot and my left foot. So uh, it, it's a lot of fun to see, and there's very few things um, that I'd like doing better than watch my kids play soccer that just brings me – the best joy I, you can imagine. And uh, is that there's no better feeling than when she puts the ball into the back of the net. Right. And, uh, but it's crazy. I, I, the one thing I take away from this is that we have all these players out there who are so good. And she plays against good teams. and My son plays against good teams. And yet the men's team couldn't even make the world cup. I will sit there on a Saturday or Sunday morning and look and see hundreds of kids at any soccer complex yep. out there playing competitively. And we can't get a team together to even make the world cup and come out of an easy group. It's not like we're stuck in Europe and we've got to go ahead and beat Spain and Portugal. Right. And right. Teams to qualify. We should be in there each and every year. We should kill. I don't know how we lost to Canada. Um, but the one good thing is we're going to go see the women's national team play actually next week, Thursday. Um, they've got a game in Columbus.
1: All right. So you're, you're giving the keys to the us men's national team, not just the, you know, the, the team, but like the program, what change? What's the first thing you change?
2: So, and I was involved in the Olympic development program, which is how they make the Olympic team, how they make the national team. And it's just, it's always political. You've got to get coaches and people out there who are not going to be political and play their favorites. We've seen it with Greg Burhalter. He plays yep. guys from the MLS over guys who I think deserve a chance. Julian green's playing second division in Germany but he's the last player for the United States who scored in a world cup game that we were part of. He hasn't even been called upon lately in any type of meaningful match to go ahead and play for the United States. Why not give this kid? I believe he's 24 a shot. So I think that there's a lot of talent over there. And the one big thing that I would do, and I've gotten into this with Andrew Laird because he knows I'm kind of anti MLS is get these kids over to Europe. Why did the rest of the world caught up to us in basketball? because we have so many foreign players playing in the NBA and getting better. We need these guys to go over and play at the highest levels. The best players we have, Christian Pulisic, he's over playing in Chelsea. Josh Sargent starts for his team in the Bundesliga these are the guys that we need to bring in and go ahead and kind of cultivate and develop these guys, encourage them to go over to Europe and play because that's where the competition is. And that's where they're going to become the best players and and fulfill any potential that they have.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing is like, there's a generation now that's coming through. That's supposed to be the, uh, the best U U S has ever produced, but the generation before that, you know, fail to make the London Olympics, you know, they, they there is, and when they were U-17s, they failed to make like the U-17 World Cup. Um, we have like a lost generation of soccer players, and that's, it's kind of a shame. Uh, you mentioned a lot of things. I also wonder like Bear Halter, like his brother is big in the U.S., the, the, the U.S. national soccer, Pro, U.S. soccer program too. I wonder if there was a little, you know, lack of, you know, if it was not quite the open competition that we thought it was for the job. I don't know. Um, you know, why wasn't Jesse Marsh interviewed? I mean, he's awesome. He's over there in Salzburg now coaching and doing great things there. I mean, we're, it's not just the players, it's the coaching too.
2: Yeah. And go and Google Jesse Marsh because they had a champions league game against Liverpool a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And at halftime, he gave a speech that was like, inject that straight into my veins. He fired those guys up they tied Liverpool three to three.
1: Yeah. I watched every second of that game. I'm a big Liverpool guy, and, actually. <laughs>
2: and, and I love, I love Liverpool. I think actually, I think, uh, Sadio Mane is, uh, better than Mohamed Salah, but that's another discussion for another day. I, I mean, he gave this halftime speech that was like, I would lace my cleats up and go out and play for this guy. And he didn't even get an interview for the head coaching job. It's, it's absolutely absurd. And basically Ernie Johnson or Ernie Stewart, who used to play for the United States, um, I think he has dual uh, citizenship, just like Sergino does. Uh, I believe he was uh, both, he could play for the Netherlands, chose the United States because he knew he was going to get playing time. He had the choice of who to interview and who to select. He had two interviews. Um, there was, uh, you know, interview Tab Ramos, who's had success with the under 20s. Right. They won the World Cup a few years ago with the under 20s. Interview him. They had two interviews, and Ernie Stewart knew that Burhalter's brother was going to be his boss. So guess who got the job? So when I say it's political from the top to the bottom, you got to fix that. You got to figure out something. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous, but I think, and I hope, and and Ramos's kid is coming up. He's going to be a star for this team, I think. So I I just wish that it's mind boggling to me that in this country, we still haven't figured out soccer. Um, I think it could be something huge. I I will tell you who has figured it out is the women and the coach, and I can't even pronounce his name that they just hired. I saw somebody on Twitter say, I'll give you $500 if you can find somebody who says something bad about this guy. So, obviously, I did a little research. This guy looks like he's perfect for the job to take over for Jill Ellis. So, the women have gotten it right. They play fundamentally the best soccer of anybody in the world. Um, They're great athletes. Um, I love when Carly Lloyd comes out and she's pissed off she didn't play more in the World Cup. I don't blame her. To get at this level and put in the time and effort that you have to to play at an elite level, um, you know you should be pissed off if you're not going to go ahead and get as much playing time as you want. So, right. um, I think the women have a good blueprint of what to do. The men still not so much.
1: Exactly. All right. Well, we closed on football and not foot American football, but uh, I like it there. I mean, it's it's something that's near and dear to both of our hearts. So, hopefully, you guys enjoyed a little taste of that and uh, listen to our soccer podcast with Andrew Laird. Some good stuff there too when you get a chance. Kevin, thanks so much for jumping on board with uh, today, and uh, we'll talk later on this season. Okay, sounds good. Thanks for having me on, Joe. You bet. That's Kevin Payne. Everybody, uh, follow him on Twitter at Casey Payne twenty uh, six. Read his free agent article. His a FanDuel article and everything else that he does for us on RotoWire. Thank you, Yahoo, for sponsoring us. We'll be back at you again tomorrow.
2: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call.